Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. This week's episode is another direct request from you, the viewer and listener. And this one is on comparison. Specifically, this person asking was mentioning their own comparison to their friends who are married and with children. And this person is single and on their own and playing that game of this is what everyone else's life looks like around me. I am the odd one out. How can I stop comparing myself? Why do I compare myself? So we are going to break that down in an episode today. I think a really great place to start this conversation on comparison, whatever it might be, whether or not you're comparing your marital status, your children's status to someone else, or the many different endless things that we compare about ourselves to others. I think a really important place actually to start is to understand that comparison is really natural for us humans. Um, We are all instinctively trying to make sense of our environment, particularly other humans in our environment, since the dawn of time. And as quicker, the quicker that we can make these assessments really based on whether or not this is a person that's part of our group, whether or not they're a safe person, in other words, or whether or not the person that we're happening upon is maybe a threat, a danger to our group, the quicker we can make that assessment or compare how they compare to ourselves, how they compare to our in-group or our community the quicker then we can determine and act if we need to, if that person is an outsider or does pose a threat. So to start with the last part of the question that I heard, at least I think, which was how can we stop? Why do we do it? I think it's an an important acknowledgement, which is that we necessarily can't stop. It's something that we're always seeking to do to see how are we measuring up? How do we compare to these others? Mainly, again, to determine whether or not these are people that we can interact with and are safe to interact with. So it's really wired into us, comparison that is, and is an instinctual part of figuring out other human beings. I like that language wired in us because it takes away that sort of morality. We're going to judge ourselves and we are prone to put ourselves into a moral box of this is good behavior or this is a bad behavior. Though when you do pull back and you allow yourself to really immerse in the reality that we do compare, that is a natural extension of being human. We can understand, given what you're sharing, why we might compare. So if that's just something that is sort of innate as part of this human experience, then at least for this moment, let's pull away the morality and not make ourselves wrong or not make ourselves right for it and just accept that comparison is a thing that humans do. So now that there's this awareness, at least, of comparison is a thing that happens, where can we go from there? Before we go anywhere from there, I want to just take a moment and really celebrate that awareness because while it sounds so simple to think, oh yeah, you know, I know that I compare myself to so-and-so over here, that's huge. The awareness of yourself and your behaviors and your actions gives you footing. It gives you a starting ground to then make new choices. So for this viewer or listener particularly who asked this question stated that They have an awareness of themselves constantly comparing themselves to their friends who are married and have children, and that is not what this person's life looks like. So what is behind that? Why is it always this idea that the grass is greener on the other side or the world is rosier over there, and for me, I'm sitting over here really in a lack? So I like to look at comparison as one of two things. When we're comparing, it's usually either in a superior way or in an inferior way. 
comparing in a superior way would be something that we might see as a judgment. Now, a judgment might look like me comparing myself to someone and me almost belittling them in a way and over here on my high horse about why I'm so much better or why they're not good enough or smart enough or I'm doing something better. There's a superiority to it. So my comparison is actually my mind placing a judgment. Comparison could also look like something inferior where I'm comparing myself to my friend who's over here and who's married with children. And I'm in my mid-30s. I'm not married. I have no children. I'm not as successful as they are. Maybe I'm not as attractive as they are. Maybe I don't make as much money or have my life as figured out as they are. There's an idea that there is a lack. My comparison is then inferior. I really appreciate, Jenna, you bringing this up because the reality about these very snap, quick judgments, um, assessments, comparison that we're making is that they are very subjective, that they're colored, that it often is us seeing one aspect, whether or not we even have the rest of the story about someone. And then we're filling in the rest of the story ourselves. We're projecting. And there's been in social psychology, actually a ton of research around all of the different ways that we are in error when we are making these snap judgments, everything from attractive people being determined to be or compared and grouped in with having other more favorable attributes like being more kind or, you know, funnier. And again, I'm, I'm not citing any particular research, though a lot has been done in this area where, again, just the subjectivity of someone's appearance then results in someone comparing or assuming all of these other attributes about them. And of course, there's many other types of errors. So the point being here is ultimately, even when we're making these snap judgments that we believe are so accurate and are even allowing us to feel better than or less than someone else, we have to understand that it's a creation ourselves, that our mind is actually filling in pieces of a story that we might not be fully certain about. Of course, the closer we are to this particular human that we're comparing, the more we know about their life's happenings or not, the more we might have those pieces. Though the large majority of us, especially if we're talking about strangers on social media, we have such a limited representation of their life. So what we're comparing or imagining oftentimes is built in this subjectivity of ourself, the story we've created that then we're comparing ourselves to, all a figment of our own subjectivity. And all of that figment of our own subjectivity shows up as thought. We don't mm -hmm. do any actions without a thought preceding it, even if we're unconscious or unaware of that thought. So if our minds are then filtering mm -hmm. out all of our actual beliefs, say I you know, have a deep core wound that... I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough. My brain is actually finding validation of that in my external environment. So when I personally, as Jenna, notice myself comparing, I can almost thread back every single comparison to that core wound of lack, of not enough, good enough, attractive enough, smart enough, successful enough, whatever it is. If I don't have awareness of that, that cycle will just continue and breed itself. Now, when that cycle continues to happen, my thought 
is focused on the lack. It is focused and actually strengthening that deeper core wound of not enough. So then what's going to only show up in my reality, in my environment? examples and affirmation that I'm not enough because my thought is so focused on it. It's what I'm bringing about. So when we look at comparison and we can start to notice that inferior, notice where we do fall into, I'm comparing myself to so-and-so over there because I'm lacking over here. We want to start to practice being really mindful of that, that awareness of that moment, literally that moment of thought That's crucial. Without that, we just continue the cycle. When you can notice your thought doing that, that's your opportunity to reroute and choose a new thought. Now, with practice, that does become easier to begin what you want to do in the moment that you start to notice yourself comparing. That's your first step. Your first step is literally just to start to notice, oh my gosh, I'm starting to compare. Note it. Then bring yourself back into the present. If I notice my brain is starting to spiral up here into outer space in this comparison game, I'm literally going to bring myself back into the present right now. I'm sitting in a room under bright lights in the studio in our home next to Nicole. I'm grounding myself and my body here in the present moment. When I've done that, come back to my body, maybe place a hand on my heart, a hand on my belly, come back to my breath. I can then actively choose a new thought, one that is rooted in compassion, one that is rooted in love or maybe in affirmation of self. My role or my job there is literally to begin to break up that unconscious cycle of going to compare. And as I often do, speaking to the many of us listening who aren't able to be that witness or catch that thought or you know see that tendency in real time for for all of us those of us that I'm speaking to out there we might be starting with the feeling bad about ourselves right with us already knee deep in that spiral viewing that account or you know thinking about that friend who has this life that we don't yet have and we might just wake up to the reality that we just feel crappy and Actually, what's coming to mind is an episode that we recorded just a few weeks ago about a somewhat similar topic when one of you had asked a question about Instagram, about social media in general and how do I navigate social media and people following, unfollowing and all of the different ways I feel bad about myself online. And as we began to unpack that conversation, we kept kind of falling upon this, this underlying idea and it goes right hand in hand with what you're talking about here, which is this concept of the self. And when we feel bad about ourselves, a lot of times we do seek validation, ideas, comparison, someone else's life to reflect back on us. And a lot of times it's because we don't have this that connection to who we are or who we think we are ourselves. We do need some outward validation. So many of us don't have that safe space, don't know what we think of ourselves, how we feel about ourselves and the life we've created that we become solely reliant on this outside perspective. And anytime we're comparing or seeking this outward validation and we're feeling badly about ourselves, the the goal might be to reconnect with ourselves. We might not actually know what we fully think of ourselves yet because we don't give ourselves that space 
to reconnect, to discover who we are. We are just outsourcing all of the time. And of course, if we go onto the whole social landscape that is social media, we're going to have an endless, an infinite amount of others to compare ourselves to. And if we don't have that home base of, okay, who do I think I am and how do I feel about that person? We're always going to be cycling in this endless comparison because we don't have a secure base for ourselves. We give our power away so quickly and so often to other people, letting other people dictate who we are, what we stand for, what our lives should, could, and will be. And what keeps coming up as you're saying, as you're speaking is that so many of us compare ourselves when we have yet to create ourselves. You intentionally create yourself when you set intention, mm-hmm. conscious intention that is rooted in an awareness of a declaration. I am this. This is what I stand for. This is what I'm creating for my life. Now, I definitely have a lot of empathy and compassion for those of you who are listening and thinking, you know, must be great to make declarations like that. I am blank. This is what I stand for. This is what I want for my life. Those questions or statements do feel really far off for some people. And I would offer that for those it feels really far off to, the answers I mean, have you ever spent time actually sitting immersed in the question? I mean, real time asking yourself, what do I want for my life? What do I envision for myself? What do I value? What brings me joy? Not what does my life look like right now? That's not the focus here, but literally a vision. What is it that you want? Where are you going? You cannot and will not get to where you are going if you have no idea where you're going. You're just going to end up in this autopilot reaction where suddenly you're 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. And I know some of you are tuning in now at that state realizing, wow, I'm waking up for the first time in my life. I don't know how I got to be 60 and I'm just arriving, but now I want to create. Now I want to create the vision that I have for my life. How can I begin doing that? To be able to have freedom and space to even begin that action and begin that visioning, you can't be rooted and immobilized in fear. And that tends to be what happens when we're in comparison. That's why I echo how important it is to begin to start catching yourself. Just start practicing noticing your thoughts and then, yes, practicing rerouting them. Because it's when we have those thoughts of comparison that are usually rooted in an inferior of a lack, they're rooted in a fear. That fear then immobilizes us. So we actually stay stuck. We don't embark on those actions. We don't make any small changes or new habits. And then the same moment turns into the next moment, which turns into the next hour and the next day and the next year, and suddenly nothing has changed. So again, like you're saying, there's similarities in all of these episodes. Self-compassion is a big one. I was actually just, Jenna, while you were speaking and even thinking about this concept of I am and how it kind of integrates into this whole conversation and just, you know, really realizing how, while so many of us, when we're even talking about comparing ourselves. We are casting those judgments about ourselves, but they're really grounded in 
our accomplishments, our things, our, you know, our, our external items, this life, even this family and this child that, you know, kicked off this conversation, right? That's not ourself at all. Yet what we have done all subconsciously more often than not is we've assigned a meaning, right? The person who has this life with the kids and the picket fence or whatever it may or may not have been, this means something, that picket fence, those children, that means something about the kind of person that is living that life. When in reality, again, that's one of those moments of a subjective assumption, right? What we are comparing ourselves is really stuff. We're comparing stuff, achievement, boxes checked. And then we're making these very global assessments about what that means about us, the liver, the person who's you know accumulated all of these items. And in reality, when we're talking about ourself, we're talking about that being that isn't that stuff at all, that doesn't make us who we are. So when we're having this conversation about peeling back the layers and rediscovering ourselves, right, we are making these assumptions based on what we imagine this person to be. And we don't know that self. These are just extras. These are external pieces that, again, so many of us have come to assume validation around for an entire lifetime. I can speak from my own lived experience of having done that. And I was that person, woke up in my you know 30s wondering who I was because everything I hung, who I thought I was on was just stuff outside of me. We spend so much time in the past or in the future, largely spending our days in regret, which we did a podcast episode on so much so that Mm -hmm. we recorded an episode specifically on regret. Or we spend most of our days in worry, which is usually related to the future, something that has not yet happened. Or we do both. We spend all of our time worrying and already regretful of something that hasn't yet happened in the future. And that's how we live our lives because so seldom are we here and actually present, which is why I suggest grounding yourself to the room. When you notice that thought spiral, or maybe for you, you don't notice it as a thought spiral, but you notice the physical reaction, the physical sensation as I'm so glad you mentioned that earlier, Nicole, you know, for those of you who can relate to scrolling through social media or this endless comparison, feeling sick in your stomach, going through all of this mental litany and ridicule of why you haven't amounted to enough or why you haven't gotten as many letters after your name as X person did. Noticing that physical sensation, all of the different sensations that happen in your body, allow that to be a cue. Overall, you want to increase a general sense of awareness, whether it's of your thoughts, your body, this whole connected machine over here and all of the weather around it. The more you can pay attention and acknowledge and honor for yourself any of the cues that your mind or your body are giving you, you then are activating the self that actually is you that is having the physical sensation, the self that is then experiencing the thought. When you can make that separation and hone in on the physical reaction in your gut or your body, notice the thought that is comparing up here in this mental gymnastics, then you can choose to pause, come back to the moment, use your senses. What are three things I can smell in this moment? What are three things I can hear? What are three things I can taste? What are three things I can feel? Whatever senses you have access to, that will help ground you back into your body, into the present moment. When you are grounded from there with practice, you can choose a loving, empowered 
thought. You are literally one thought away from new habits, one thought away from new lives. One thought is going to compile into another new thought. So any new life, new change, new habit is going to be created moment to moment to moment. And so many of us in that space can even get curious and, you know, inquire, explore why it is or what assumption that we're making. And so many of us might even have an awareness of where that assumption might have come from, right? Older childhood conditioning and beliefs that we can then in that space give ourselves an opportunity to decide if we are choosing to believe that now ourselves. We might have heard different many millions of messages over our lifetime making these assumptions about morality, about the type of person that achieves things versus doesn't achieve things. And as we grow in age and mature, those might not be our beliefs. If we drop in and question that assumption that we've made that led us to feeling less than, we might surprise ourselves that actually that was an old assumption that came from my family that you know had different values than I did or had different tools and awareness than I do now. So, so much can happen when we expand into that space of presence by noticing, like you're beautifully saying, by noticing when we're feeling sick because we feel so crappy because we're already you know, knee deep into that spiral, by noticing when I'm already making these assessments about someone else, by noticing when I'm even picking up my phone to go and check in with this person that I know is living the life that I want to live. The moment we notice is the moment we give ourselves that conscious presence to then decide for ourselves. Do we want to become reactive, continue in that spiral, or do we want to become compassionate, get curious, maybe give ourselves a new lived experience of ourselves that's separate from all of these assessments, judgments, and subjectivity, again, that might not any longer even be ours to own. As you begin this practice, or if this practice is new for you and you're already on this journey of beginning to notice your thoughts, it may be helpful to also expect yourself to, at least at the beginning, begin to notice them and then still choose to compare anyway, (laughs) still choose to make the judgment anyway, still consciously choose to go down the, I'm not good enough. There's a lack inferior. Be okay with that. There's so much of your life, so much conditioning and programming, literal years that have been spent strengthening and strengthening and strengthening that rabbit hole and that pathway of a thought and those beliefs. So allow that to be. The important part is that you're even noticing them. And then with some compassion and practice and consistency, you can begin to resist the urge to compare. You're still going to notice yourself comparing on a daily basis. Just yesterday in the shower, I was I have a new necklace that a friend of mine made, and it's beautiful. I tried to wear it today, actually, and it broke. Right, well, it fell off right <laughs> before this. And I was just thinking about the necklace in the shower, went down some rabbit hole in my mind that eventually ended up right square back at, you're not good enough. You haven't accomplished enough in your life. You don't have physical products out there. You're not running your own business line. Completely negated the fact that I do run a business that is led entirely from my heart. I have four years with my best friends and life partners and business partners completely erase the entire reality of Jenna and who I am, what I have created, what I love about me. And I share it because I had a quick giggle and realized, 
oh my gosh, I literally was just acknowledging how beautiful this necklace is that a friend made while in the shower. And it just went down a whole thought loop that immediately in probably less than two minutes ended up with like this stamper of, see, you're not good enough. And that's how quickly it happens. So I'm able to give myself grace and have a little humor and just enjoyment or love for myself that I am a human being going through this process that is a process of unlearning. So it is a practice of resisting and with consistent awareness of yourself, your reactions, your patterns. I know we sound like a broken record when we say that, but your awareness of yourself is your golden ticket to everything. The more you're aware of yourself, the more you can learn about yourself. The more you can learn about yourself, the more you can understand yourself. When you have that wisdom and that knowledge, you have a superpower to intentionally create the steps forward and how you want your life around you to look. And it all happens with those thoughts. What your life is around you is a representation of your thoughts. So if there's a disconnect of the life that you want or can envision or dream of and the life that you're living, it's very likely that your thoughts, your unconscious to them, are breeding your surroundings. They're not constantly on repeat of the thing that you desire and how worthy you are they're sneakily on repeat of the lack of the comparison of the judgment. So the more we pay attention to that, the more power we hold over here for ourselves to dictate our present and our future instead of just handing our power away to every passerby and saying, here, you go create my life and I'll sit over here in my corner and then judge and compare how you've created my life. And the reality of it is when we're talking about our thoughts is they are with us. They are coloring our day. They are narrating our day. They're our mind's best attempt at assigning meaning, at making sense of our environment. And again, all of this, bringing this conversation full circle, is grounded in our survival at our best attempt at making sense of the world around us. So as we begin to pay attention to our thoughts, there isn't a magical light switch, as I call it. I love how you're gently and gracefully reminding us all not to have an unrealistic expectation that our thoughts are going to go away and or our comparison-based thoughts are going to go away. We can be really objective with ourselves even in those moments where we're noticing the tendency to compare by just acknowledging that, oh, here's those comparison thoughts again. We don't have to assign meaning. We don't have to feel badly that they're there. They're going to be there. Don't expect them not to be, especially if you're tuning in, you're like, geez, I'm always feeling bad about myself. <laughs> Chances are the indicator is that you're spending a lot of time in those thoughts, whether or not you're aware of it or not, confirming again, likely some version of that deep-rooted belief of I'm not good enough. And now we've, most of us into adulthood have created at least part of our external reality that reflects that. And now we're compounding that with the advent of social media, where we literally have pretty much almost every human on the planet with some version of a life presence of a story that we can, you guessed it, compare ourselves to. So as far as I see it, the social media era isn't going anywhere. So understanding the role that all of our mind is playing in this virtual now arena of comparison is going to empower ourselves, is going to be the difference between 
repeating those habitual patterns, again, that are grounded for most of us in childhoods that we've left, that we've developed, you know, different tools, different relationships, safety, move different geographical locations away from yet they are living in our mind and body. And this is one of the major ways we can say it in these endless comparisons where we're left to feel nothing but as unworthy as we felt in that early childhood. So bringing this conversation as always full circle, understanding that comparison is is part of being human. Our thoughts are part of being human. If we can become a conscious witness, understanding that the impact that they're having and creating just that bit of space to reconnect with ourselves, and maybe for the first time to discovering what we think of ourselves before we open ourselves up to the comparison of others. And as always, Looking forward to continuing this and many more conversations with all of you on next episode of The Soundboard.